0: Good morning. What a morning so far, eh? It's been great. (laughs) So it's a really exciting morning this morning because if you're anywhere near as sad as me, you'll be really excited that we're starting a new sermon series this morning. I mean, come on. You don't sound excited. (laughs) And this is a new thing for me because I have the privilege of introducing the new sermon series. And I've never done this before. I know. And this could go one of two ways. So either you could end up being really inspired and really excited for the next sermon series, or you might end up dreading the next 18 weeks of preaching. So uh, no pressure today. (laughs) Uh, The last series that we covered was Life to the Full, which uh, Nev and Mim excellently finished off last week. Who enjoyed that series, by the way? It was great. I thought it was great. Talking about some of the practicalities of life as a Christian, um, it was great to hear different perspectives and different people up talking, and uh, different sermons as well. Sermons about death and life and singleness and dating and parenthood and work, you know, things we wouldn't normally hear about in church. It's been brilliant. But our next series is going to be a little bit different. All right? We're going to be going through a book of the Bible. And it's always good to take some time out to study a book of the Bible um, so that we can learn from it. So we're going to be looking at the book of Acts over the next few weeks, all right? And we're not going to be going through it word for word. We're going to be picking out key themes from the book of Acts and looking at how the early church laid foundations, overcame difficulties, and ultimately grew rapidly after the day of Pentecost. And we've decided to call this series Spirit Breakout. And the reason for this is that the whole book of Acts is shaped by an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Things start to change after the day of Pentecost, after people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I feel like this is going to be an important series for us as a church. It's a chance to look at how the Spirit impacts church, and how churches grow because of that. Let me just give you a bit of an insight as to how we come up with these sermon series. As elders, we sit down at the end of each sermon series, and we just have a bit of a chat about how the last sermon series went what was good, what was not so good. And uh, we then talk about what God's been saying to us as, as elders and we pray about that. And often, God ends up speaking to us in the same sorts of ways. It's funny that, isn't it? That God would speak to us all in the same sort of ways. Um, so God speaks to us as a team in similar sorts of ways and then that helps to share the theme for the next series. So we all felt that God had been talking to us about this church growing and having the correct foundations to continue to grow. Looking at how we can facilitate new people becoming part of Jubilee and really thriving here. See, obviously we've gone through some interesting stages over the past few years, you know, changes in leadership, people and coming and going, but we feel like we're in a season of real growth right now, or at least that season's just about to start. God's spoken about that perfectly, hasn't he, on a number of occasions. So this is an important series and I hope that you're going to enjoy it and really learn from it. Do you know what my prayer is that we grow as a church throughout this series? That we enjoy God together and most importantly we start to see growth because of the things we learn about it. Let me just pray and I'm going to start. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you're a God who's alive, you're a God who's on the move, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you so much that... um, your Holy Spirit, Lord, causes change. Lord, that when your presence is here, Lord, things uh, start to happen, and that's something that's so exciting. Lord Jesus, I want to pray right at the start of this sermon series, God, would you really help us to be a defining season in the history of Jubilee. Lord Jesus, we just pray that as we go through the series, you'll just teach us and help us to lay foundations which is going to help to facilitate the growth and the outpouring of your Holy Spirit in this area, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. All right, so I'm going to spend a little bit of time this morning. Now, I'm sorry, I'm not going to have a three-point sermon today. Can you believe it? I know, I know, I know. It's not even church, is it? I know. We're going to have two parts this morning, but within the second part, I've got three points. Come on. So I'm going to spend, this first half of this morning is going to be just sharing a bit of background about the book of Acts just doing a little bit of teaching around that to help set the scene. And the second part of the talk is going to be a bit of scene setting for the spirit breakout theme that we're going to be talking about. Let's get into it then. If you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to Acts 1. Let me just give you a bit of background to the book of Acts. So Acts is actually a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. All right, Both of those books have the same author, both written by the same guy. But who was he? So Luke was a doctor a very intelligent man and a Gentile. So he wasn't of Jewish background. And that's important because at the time, there was massive division between Jews and Gentiles. So it's important to note that Luke wasn't a Jew. Luke was actually a close friend of Paul, uh, who ended up writing a lot of the letters, and he ended up being one of his travelling companions as well. And the two books, Luke and Acts, were written as factual accounts of the events of that time. And being a doctor and a well-read person, we can trust that Luke did his homework before writing these books. He will have checked the facts and ensured that they were accurate. So we can trust that these books are accurate accounts of that time. And it might be helpful to call them the book of, Luke's volume, uh, book of Luke volume one and the book of Luke volume two. And I always find it helpful to read the end of the book of Luke before starting on Acts. Because Luke meant it to be written as one book. We haven't got time to do it this morning, but this week I just want to encourage you to get your Bible out and just read the last few uh, chapters of Luke and the first few chapters of Acts just to really set the scene for this series. Let me just set it for you quickly though. So what's happened is Jesus has been crucified and placed in a tomb. The followers of Jesus were distraught, and rightly so. The one they'd followed for three years, the one who they'd witnessed performing many miracles, the one that uh, they thought was going to be the saviour, had gone. And it seemed like they were probably going to be next to be murdered. I mean, it was all pretty bleak. Some ladies went to check on Jesus' tomb, only to find that the stone was rolled away and Jesus wasn't there. Come on. (laughs) They ran and told the disciples, and this led to massive confusion. And just note that, all right? I think Luke puts that in on purpose, this period of being unsettled, this confusion for the disciples. Do you know what? They were probably confused, scared, and maybe even hopeless during this period. And I think Luke put that there on purpose to reassure people that sometimes we can feel like that. We can feel a little bit unsettled. We can sometimes feel a little bit down, and that's all right. And Luke's put that in there so we can kind of take heart the fact that the early church, the disciples felt that. Then Jesus appears to them, he is alive, come on. <laughs> he gives them a great promise about the Holy Spirit, the helper who is going to come and fill them with power, but then he tells them to wait. And the book ends in that way. The disciples waiting in anticipation uh, before Jesus, uh, is, as Jesus is taken up into heaven. As I said, most of this is recapped at the start of the book of Acts, so let's read Acts 1. Can someone grab me some water, please? All right, oh, Matthew. Print it in. thank you, mate. Okay, in my former, former book of Theopolis, I wrote uh, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go to heaven. Absolutely love that last line. What are you doing looking up in the sky, you idiots? Get on with the work Jesus has set for you. <laughs> Love it. Just a couple of things to touch on then about the book of Acts, about the original audience. As you can see, Luke starts this book writing to someone called Theopolis. And we're not really sure who Theopolis is. There's loads of different schools of thoughts around this. Um, Some people would say that he was a Jew of Alexandria. This is something which the great John Wesley talked about in his commentary of the Book of Acts. He said that um, Theopolis was a person of eminent quality at Alexandria. Other people say that Theopolis was probably a Roman official of some sort. Uh, the reason for this is that Luke refers to him as most excellent and that's a term which might have been used in that setting. Others still think he might have been a high priest And my favourite is people think that Theopolis might have not even been a person at all. Theopolis might have been an honorary title given to people. See, the word when translated into Greek means friend of God. So it could be that this book was written to anyone who fits that description. I like that one. The point is, we don't know who Theopolis is. Don't worry about it too much. Don't get hung up on it. All right? Just know that this book was written to a friend of God, a believer. Yeah, And the main thing to think about is that Luke wrote this book, the book of Acts, for the early church. We know this because the book of Acts was written uh, between 63 and 70 AD, a time when the early church was really growing. And the early church was facing persecution from the Romans, that's important. This is important because the people reading about this account of the growth of the early church would be living dangerous lives they'd probably be living in fear. So to hear about how the gospel grew and led to many new believers would have helped them to feel at peace. You know, they weren't alone. So hopefully some comfort would have been brought to the early church about the fact that they weren't alone. And as we read through the book of Acts over the coming weeks, hopefully that context will help, knowing who this book was written to. And as I said earlier, Acts is a follow-on from Luke. Uh, it's a second volume of the same book, essentially. But sometimes we can tend to refer to Luke as um, Jesus' life and Acts as after Jesus had gone. All right? So Luke is the work of Jesus, volume one. And uh, volume two is the early church. And as I started studying around the book of Acts, I read a book by a guy called John Stott. And he was saying that that's quite an unhelpful comparison to make. All right? Because we, if we see this as... Jesus' life, Jesus' work, and the disciples' work, we're missing out on the bigger picture. All right? Because um, Luke meant this to be one book, what Jesus was doing, and then what Jesus continued to do. Yeah? The book of Acts isn't Jesus stopping and the disciples starting. It's the same work continuing on. The book of Acts is a book about a heavenly ministry carried out by the Holy Spirit. When we read the book of Acts, it's important to keep that in mind. This was all part of God's plan. The amazing rescue plan that was the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And the apostles, the disciples were all part of that. And you know what? What's really struck me as I've been reading the book of Acts is the sheer size of the mission given to to the disciples. Go and make believers of all nations. I mean, that's a tough challenge, isn't it? And the disciples may have been, you know, petrified of that mission. They may have felt unequipped. But God being God, he doesn't just leave them to it, does he? No, he sends them a helper. He sends them the Holy Spirit to do this work alongside them. And that should be one of our biggest comforts as Christians. The fact that we're not in this alone. The fact that God's given us his very presence within us. I mean, that's the comfort that we need as Christians, yeah. Yes, we're on a mission, but God goes with us. And we can do all things through God who gives us strength, yeah? And you know what? Although the disciples played an amazing part in the growth of the early church, you know, they showed wisdom, they were obedient, they were bold, none of that could have happened without the Holy Spirit. And that is why we're focusing on the Holy Spirit throughout this series. You see, when the Spirit of God breaks out, everything changes. And I don't think there's any other response to experiencing the Holy Spirit, is there? To changing things not being the same. So that's a bit of context about the book of Acts, All right. Maybe this week you can unpack this further in your community groups. Get out your study Bibles. Do do we all own study Bibles? You know, the massive ones are covered in dust. Yeah, get your study Bible out, alright? And have a look yourself at some of the background and context to the book of Acts and the book of Luke as well. Now, I'm not really a gifted teacher, so that was hard for me, all right? I'm going to talk about some application now, which is a lot more comfortable. <laughs> so let me touch with three points on my final point this morning, all right? Just to whet our appetite for the rest of this series. I'm going to talk about what we mean by spirit breakout, all right? And I'm going to call these points wait, change, grow. Three simple words, wait, change, grow. So for the first point, wait, as we read earlier, the book of Acts... Starts with a call for the disciples to wait. It's right there in Acts 1, verse 2, the command from Jesus, stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. And what's amazing about this passage is that waiting around is probably the last thing that the disciples wanted to do, isn't it? Like, their leader had just been murdered. There was a higher than likely chance that they would be next. And I'm not being funny, but waiting around is the last thing I would be doing. I would have been out of there. And I would have been up in a hill somewhere, away from people. All right, but the disciples were obedient to Jesus. And this is one of the keys to the formation of the early church. They were obedient to the instructions given to them by Jesus The disciples trusted Jesus completely. They'd spent three years learning from him, receiving input into their lives. They'd been with Jesus throughout all the miracles and they were convinced that Jesus was the real deal and they would do anything for him. And that is where the obedience came from. Jubilee, let me challenge you. Are you obedient to God? If God told you to stay and do nothing, would you stay and do nothing? If God told you to go, would you go? That's more scary. We had this discussion in our community group a couple of weeks ago. Imagine if God called you to um, plant a church or move somewhere else, would you do it? <laughs> Me and Hayley had an interesting discussion about that when we got home. If God called you to go to another country, if it was inconvenient, would you do it? Are you obedient to God? Jubilee, if we want to see God's kingdom grow, if we want to see revival in Teesside, then we need to be obedient to God. Yeah? That's a challenge. We need to be obedient to God. Do you know what? That job that you hate, that friendship that you feel like giving up on, those difficult relationships, are you obedient to God in them? If God has put you in a situation and you're convinced it's from God, then I want to encourage you to embrace it. Often difficult situations can be periods of growth, but it can be so tempting and so easy to give up. But God calls us to something much more difficult than that. God calls us to obedience. And you know what? You might be sat around thinking that the disciples sat around and did nothing in Jerusalem while they waited. You know, maybe playing cards or twiddling their thumbs or napping. But that just isn't true. During a 40 day waiting period, the disciples were actually very active. Luke mentions a number of different things that happened during that period. First of all, they received their commission from Jesus. Second, they saw Jesus get taken up to heaven. Thirdly, they selected a replacement for Judas, a traitor. We didn't read it, but it's right there, a few verses along. And finally, and most importantly, they persevered in prayer together. huddling together and praying, probably in preparation and and anticipation of this helper, of this Holy Spirit. Yeah? The disciples weren't inactive, they were very active. Can I give you another challenge? Are you active? Do you know what? I watched the Winter Olympics last night. All right. This isn't in my notes, I'm just going to deviate. I watched this ridiculous race. All right. It was uh, speed skating, although it was the slowest speed skating ever. All right, I don't know if anyone watched this. They were going around this really big track, and they must have gone around it about 30 times. All right. For the first 29 and a half times going around it, they all had their hands behind their back like this, and they were kind of dawdling a little bit. And then the last, like, last bends, they all sped up and started sprinting. I thought, this is the most pointless race ever. And God kind of challenged me about this. And he said, actually, this is what we can be like in church sometimes. Like We can be like kind of floating around like the ice skaters were and just with our hands around our back dawdling. And then we hear something from God and then we sprint at the last minute. You know, we, we get to a Sunday morning, the last song in worship, and we think, yes, I'm plowing into God at this moment. But what about all that time we've wasted? What about all that time we've been inactive? Jubilee, are you active? Like, we want to see revival, don't we? We want to see churches everywhere grow, don't we? I absolutely love what we shared this morning about um, the lion and there being a fresh wave of God's presence in the UK. We want to see that, don't we? But if we want to see that, we need to be active. Like, are you sitting back and waiting for that to happen? Or are you praying? Are you studying the Bible in preparation? Are you gathering in communities ready to welcome new people? Do you believe a hundred new people came in here next Sunday morning and we prepared this is a challenge for me, by the way. Like, are we ready to disciple people? Are we are our devoted and community groups welcoming? It scares me. We need to be active people. Learn from the disciples at the time. Be obedient, but be active. Be active. That's only, that's only point one. I need to have a lie down. <laughs> The second point is change. What we see in the book of Acts is a massive change when the Holy Spirit is poured out. And the main change that we saw was in the disciples. Like, they went from being normal guys, you know, probably scared guys, to being church leaders. I mean, come on. Like, look at Peter, for example. I always look for opportunities to get my favourite words into my sermons, so I listen out for it, okay? Peter went from being a complete Doyle, all right, denying that he knew Jesus, to preaching this amazing sermon to a crowd of people. Like, I'm not talking about this sermon. I'm talking about a sermon where 3,000 people are saved and added. Where did that change come from? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings change. it's not just in the New Testament we see that, people being changed by the power of God. There's amazing stories in the Old Testament, you know, heroes like Gideon, Samson, Saul, David, all these people were radically changed by the power of God. And the amazing thing is, it still happens today. I mean, Billy Graham died this week, didn't he? But how good has it been? Like, Looking at Twitter this week and seeing the outpouring of people just sharing about Billy Graham and how he'd spoken to them, how he'd inspired them—that's someone who was changed by the presence of God who went on to change the world. The Holy Spirit changes things. Truly, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, we can never be the same. We become people who are changed for the better. Anyone who's been baptized in the Spirit will know that, won't you? And that should be our motivation to see people saved. Yeah. Look at your own life. Look at how you've changed. Look at how the Holy Spirit has changed everything about you. And make that the motivation to see your friends and family saved. Use that as your motivation. Our friends and family need this life-changing change that the Holy Spirit brings, this touch of God. I read this amazing book by Terry Virgo while I was studying for this. It was called, Does the Future Have a Church? I mean, check out this quote. It says we can be very much man centered in our thinking regarding Christianity in the 21st century. And we may wonder does the church have a future? What can I do about it? How can I improve things? Should we change our style? Maybe we should change in order to appeal to the 21st century man. But if we see things from God's perspective, we realize that mere cosmetic adjustments are far. From adequate. More is at stake. Check this out. An, ad- an inadequate view of man's condition will lead to a superficial approach to the gospel and to church. Do you believe do you have a real view of how your friends and family are? Do you have a real view about how they need to change and know God? What we need to do is we need to recognise that everyone we know needs a transforming experience of God's presence, and that realisation is more important than anything else we can do. Of course, you know what, we need to be uh, welcoming, we need to look at how church appeals to others, we need to make sure that we are relevant, but most importantly, we need to recognise and be challenged by the fact that people need the changing touch of God. That needs to be our motivation. Without experiencing his presence, they're missing out on so much, and that should hurt us. The Holy Spirit brings change. If you've never encountered the Holy Spirit, if you've never been baptised in the Spirit, then I'd love you to experience that this morning at the end. Don't miss out. Experience the change that the Holy Spirit brings. Final thing, grow. The Holy Spirit causes us to grow. Grow as individuals and as a church. As we go through the book of Acts, we see the early church exploded and many many people were saved and added. And there's been a lot of talk about revival recently, even this morning. You know, a lot of prophetic guys are talking about a new wave of God's presence hitting England, and that that excites me. I mean, people being saved of course is going to lead to growth, isn't it? Are you excited about that? I just want to give a bit of encouragement before I end, Uh, I've left a lot of time at the end to respond this morning, all right, but I want to give a bit of encouragement, because this year we're celebrating 20 years of Jubilee, aren't we, and looking back on all that God's done for us, and quite rightly, but what can tend to happen is that we miss the old days, like we look back on all that God's done and we start to miss the old days, and I don't know if anyone, anyone else thinks this, but like the late 90s and early 2000s were like the glory days for this type of church. You know, not this church, but this type of church. And what can tend to happen is that people start to miss those days. I mean, I hear stories from my friends and not even those from Jubilee, friends from, uh, from different churches about um, stone Lee Bible weeks and Brighton conferences, and I start to get sad. I start to find myself, you know, missing those days, even though I wasn't even there. <laughs> Do you know what? If you found yourself feeling down about the fact that churches are maybe a little bit smaller now or there seems to be less breakthrough or there's less people on Alpha, then I want to encourage you to pray for growth. Do you know what? Don't mope. Don't look back on the old days. What's the point? What's the point? You can't change it. Do you know what? Pray for growth. Pray for the Holy Spirit to bring growth. I want to encourage you to pray for that. Pray passionately for, grow, for God to grow churches in this nation. Not Jubilee Church Teesside, churches in this nation. Pray passionately for people to be set free from addiction, sickness and hurt. Pray passionately for Alpha Courses to be twice as full as they were 15 years ago. And pray all of that in the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit brings growth. The Holy Spirit brings growth. If man could come up. (laughs) Do you know what? The Bible calls us to have a genuine thirst for the Spirit. We're right at the start of a new sermon series, Spirit Breakout. And I just want to, I want us to get the right mindset at the start of that series. I want to encourage us this morning to have that thirst for the presence of God. And we're going to respond slightly different today. All right, so what we've done is we've printed out uh, loads of Bible verses from the Book of Acts about God's presence and how it changed things, all right? And we've got them laid out around the room, all right? As a band are playing and Shirley's singing and, uh, and, and they're kind of worshipping, I want you to just go over and just find a Bible verse. They're all over the room, all right? There's ch- they're on chairs, all right? I want you to just go over and get into groups around those Bible verses and just pray for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Pray for spiritual gifts. Pray together. Pray for other people. Lay hands on each other. Be wise, yeah? So get into small groups. There's 15, 15? There's 15 Bible verses around the room, all right? Get into small groups and spread out evenly amongst them. The one that's right here at the front need a blue bin, all right? If you've never been baptised in God's Holy Spirit, if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to go over to that one, all right? I'm going to be there. And there's going to be some guys from the ministry team there, all right? Go over to there, and we'd love to pray for you to be baptised in the Holy Spirit for the first time. Alright, so, is that clear? If you've never been baptised in the Spirit, buy the blue bin. Everybody else, just pick a chair, we've got a Bible verse on it, and gather together and pray for an encounter of God's Holy Spirit. Why don't we stand, I'd love to pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I want to just, right at the start of this sermon series, Lord, we want to just give it to you, Lord, and we want to just ask that you can have your way, Lord. Lord, we want to pray as we plan these talks, as we study, as we research, would you speak to our hearts, Lord. Lord, as a church, would you speak to our hearts about this, uh, this book of the Bible, Lord, and how we can learn and grow from it, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just want to thank you so much for this mission that you've called all people to, Lord, to make disciples of every nation, Lord. And God, I thank you that you've called us to do this, but given us health, Lord Jesus. You've given us your very presence within us, Lord Jesus. You've given us your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that um, changes us, Lord. That causes growth, Lord Jesus. And we want to pray, Lord, this morning, would you grow us as individuals, Lord? Would you grow us in our faith for you, Lord Jesus? Would you lift our eyes up to you, Lord Jesus, and lift our eyes out to the world out there, Lord Jesus? Lord, we pray and we ask this morning, Lord, would your Holy Spirit come and meet us, Lord? Would your Holy Spirit come and could we encounter you in fresh where is this morning, Lord Jesus? Lord, we love you. Amen.